You're now tuned into the Soma Live on Union and Metro podcast. I am Jerm. I am Jer. And I'm Mikey Beats. Soma Live was an all-aged concert hall with two locations in San Diego. First on Union from 88 to 94. Second on Metro from 94 to 99. We're here to share experiences from the best all-ages venue in America's finest city. On this episode, we talk about setting up the venue to open the doors, merch splits, changing light gels, the five-minute set changes, and the punk rock ballet. We also mentioned tragedies and crazy shit that happened at Soma, and also the destruction of our neighborhood. Let's go. So the uh, the bands the bands have been picked. The tickets have been sold. The marketing's been done. Um, the 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 bands have showed up to to load in. We have mm-hmm. the sound crew. We have the lighting crew. All of that stuff's taken care of. There's much more to a venue than just the bands and just the uh, the sound. I mean, we got to think about. Um, we have the concessions, we have a water bar, we have a box office, we have security guards, there's the merch. Um, this stuff is going on how many hours before the show, before the doors open? Like, when, how, like, at what time do well, the doors open? Well, usually, and- usually everybody would be there by noon, and then we had from noon to seven to when the doors would open. Yeah. Depending on the show and the day. Yeah. Um, we've had shows that were early uh, oh, yeah. before. Yeah. So I remember the downtime after the sound checks. All yeah. that stuff was ready to go. There was that, like, was, there was like an hour and a half where the bands before, were going before to the eat. doors would open. So who's showing up at that time that work at the venue? Oh, that's, that's the fun time. That's usually like the soda girls would yeah. show up. Um, and go and get some ice. Here's some money. And, and go usually too, usually during that time, like that during sound check, would be the merch count in. Um, do you remember us ever taking a percentage of the merch? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, see, um, I don't remember that at Metro. Yeah, that was a really bad thing for me to do at that point of the night in. was to do it. And I've luckily um, there would be a lot of merch well it depended on what the, again, what the price the, was the the price yeah was if, a huge if it was 15 dollars and under there would be no take we wouldn't right, take um, right 15 percent right i remember that so then you would usually end up working with because certain merch people would work with certain bands and it just seemed like there was a lot of familiar faces so yeah because at that at that time there was merch companies like giant winterland yeah um what was so that would one? make it easier blue grape so there's different merch companies at that time who they would hire a person that would go out with a band and do their merch. Um, so yeah, at Soma, we, we always had that rule. If it was 15 bucks and under, there would, wouldn't be a percentage take. So if, you weren't, if we weren't counting in, um, basically, if they're keeping under 15 bucks, we didn't have to do a count in. But if they were selling their shirts for $20 or you know, over $15, usually $20, $25, mm-hmm. then we'd have to count everything in. Because at the end of the night, we'd have to settle with them, and they'd have to give us a percentage. What right. would the percentage be? Fifteen percent. Fifteen. Yeah, of their yeah. of their total sales. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, and this is all cash. I mean, dare I have to say it? This is all cash. There's, yes. there's no credit card process. There was wrong. no cr- credit no. card readers back then. Was no. there a credit card reader at the box office? No. Just straight cash. Just straight cash. We yeah. didn't have. We never had a credit card. I don't think those existed until. Well, the, you know those. Remember the ones? That oh, you, the. the ching, 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 did we have things? one of those? I don't no, remember seeing carbon copy ones. I don't the, the see. gas station. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I know. I I it was always cash. Everything was yeah. cash. Everything was cash. Cash yeah. is king, sort of. So there's there's banks involved. I mean, before, you know, you, you have to have a bank at the box office. You have to ba- have a bank at mm-hmm. uh, the water bar. And right. obviously at the merch tables, too. Um, so they're just throwing around cash. That's just amazing because, like, you know, nowadays, dude. But even yeah. – that would – again, that would be – with the merch, it would be on the merch person that would have their bank. Right. Um, but with when us, it came to the soda bar in the front like – Probably I mean, 20 bucks. Here's your 20 – here's your – Here's yeah. your two fives and your twenty or ten and ones or whatever. Yeah. There's your there's your change. And That's yeah, your bank. There would usually be I mean secrets being told. Um there was, you know, we had I I do remember at least one register at the soda bar. Um Was there? I thought it was just a cash box. There or, was there definitely remember. was a cash box eventually, but I I don't remember. I can swear at Union we had an old style register. Oh, Union, okay. Um, Not a metric. But you know there would be you know cash drawer type thing, and there would there would be change in it, and you know with everything painted black, it made it a lot easier to hide stuff. But each day before, you know they would have to get some money, and it depended if it was me giving them the cash because I'd kind of you know look at them a little bit differently, and you know we. I wasn't the the big boss, so I was a little bit more, you know, here, just take 30 or whatever it was. But we would try to give the minimal amount, and it's one of those things where the less amount that's going out for the banks, then you basically just kind of write that off anyways as production costs. But we need ice. So the soda girls would show up, Show up looking all nice and ready to make some tips and, you know, to work. And here, here's 20 bucks. Go across the street to 7-Eleven and get some ice. Do you, get, do you guys you know. remember how we kept track of what came in? Where everything was on uh, notebook paper was a tick. Oh. For, for the box office yeah. and for the soda bar. Yeah. Oh, and also remember at Metro under the soda bar, there was always these big jars of pennies. Yeah. You guys remember that? Yeah. Big yeah. jars of what? Pennies. There would oh. be like. All this changed underneath the soda bar. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a. So I also remember uh, at this downtime before the doors open, um, the lighting guys after the sound guys were done would go and change the gels on the par cans. Yep, that's correct. I remember yeah. that too. And I, I remember uh, what Owen. That yeah, was, that was uh, one dude in particular. Yeah, Owen uh, Todd. But I mean, imagine, I mean, these guys with these giant ladders, like, you know, these park, those are the big park hands and they weren't on obviously because they're freaking hot as hell, Mm -hmm. but physically changing, uh, the the gels getting ready. Now, were the colors ever a part of, um, any band's requests or was that just sometimes here's the blues, here's the reds. Well, sometimes if it was a national act, they'd bring their own lighting guy in Mm -hmm. and they had their own lighting. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, for his local bands, I don't remember anybody requesting anything. Nah, it was especially. rare, right? Um, there would be things like, "Can you just use amber?" This goes into a joke because Will used to do lights, so we had this long running joke from. I I believe he came in at Metro. But see, the, the Will, Owen, Silas, and my wife 
that connection, we've all, we're all intertwined. So I basically, I've known my wife, I've seen her from the early days of Soma. So Will is connected in that whole, in the four of us. And Will used to have this thing about, he loved the amber light. Never forget amber. It's a Woody Allen thing. So he would use amber a lot, but certain bands like certain lights, so they would be able to talk to, you know, and Will got into it, and all the lights get into it, depending on the, the band, and you try to make the lights, it's, it's, it's a whole nether art form. Make the lights enhance what's going on on the stage. So, you know, the person that's up there is just putting it on auto-repeat and just does their thing, and, you know, that's, that's no fun. So these guys would get into it, and they would try to figure out which lights to use, and if if one of the screens went out, they would, yeah, 30 feet in the air on, you know, a single ladder up against a truss. As Mike Nevison used to say, and I say the same thing to this day, is I can fight a lion, but I can't fight heights. I'm deathly afraid of heights. So I'd have to go up and hang, you know, against the wall, but I would have to hang art, and I hated that. These guys are up there, and they're changing, changing out the gels, and it's... You know, after a while, the gels kind of get burnt out anyways, but you want to kind of change the mood because if you have the same lights all the time doing the same thing, the show's going to be boring no matter who's playing. It's all part of the theatrics, you know, the ambiance. So the lighting in itself is a whole episode. We'll, we'll eventually bring in, I'll find someone to bring in and talk about lights. Warming the stage, cooling the stage. Yeah, I yeah mean, absolutely. Yeah, those colors do different, different Enhancing things. the mood. Yep. And, and the thing you know. is, too, is if, if usually a good lighting guy would know the music ahead of time so he can mm-hmm. follow the beat. Exactly. You know, get into yeah. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, uh, gosh, what's, oh, security shows up. Oh, yeah. So, so the, about an hour prior. About an hour prior. So right? security shows right? up. Right, they would? Yeah. Cause I'd, Probably I'd, about six o'clock. Okay. Because yeah. I'd kind of be looking around going, all right. And yep. that's, that's when the line outside forms. Um. That, and if, if anyone's listening to this, uh, that you remember how long that line could get all the way down <laughs> to Marana. Yeah, yeah. It would just, yeah. it would just take it. Yeah, it would take a right at Linda Vista, right, and uh, out Metro. Um, and that's when the door guy, which Jerry, you sat in that chair for for a while, a couple, couple years. Yeah, yeah. Well, ninety five. Yeah, two years, ninety five to ninety seven. Oh, right. And then before that, what Silas? Cy. Yeah, Cy was there. Cy was the door guy at Union. So, Rob, Rob McCobb had done it for a while. Mike would sit up in the front Union. Um, There would be the outside part where we did it differently, but the inside. So, Holly, the ticket booth person, um, early one, and Soda Girl. I actually, I had the honor of sitting at that booth for a while, clicking. Remember, we had a clicker. So. You know, Len comes out, comes through the doors. Where are we at? You know, got to show them. Because if we go over capacity, it's not a matter of getting more dollars in. It's a matter of having to give dollars out because we go over capacity. Fire marshal comes in and goes, you're done. So, you know, it was legit. And it's, again, it's part of the science. But, yeah, I, I was even at the door. You start at the bottom, and then the next thing you know, you're, you know, at the very top. Yep. 
So the doors yeah. are about to open. Um, I specifically remember a CD player in a back of a back cabinet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, was I mean, it, what was like the what was the flow? Was it press play? Everyone yells, "Open the doors!" I don't even remember. Usually, right? that would be on the sound guy. Whoever's doing sound would play the music. Yeah, just kind of cue it up and have something going. Yeah, and depending on. And I vaguely remember like Lamb would just be like, okay, you know, let's open. But whenever it was my gig and he wasn't there for whatever reason, it just, you know, this as well as Jerry does, you know, we just communicate. We knew the system. So we knew when we had to open up, but it was a matter of one way or another. This is the brilliant thing. Everyone communicated. Soda. Good. And then it's out of my hands, you know, because then we're getting closer to the front of the house and I'm in the back. You know, I've got the band situated. I've got this, you know, the production part back here, but then it trickles up to the front and you guys, Jerry's the one, as far as I know, is the one that opened up the front. So, you know, this is all, this is your territory. Yeah, it was just uh, people coming up the ramp. You know, coming up to me where I was by the box office, or sometimes I'd be down at the bottom of the ramp having to do the pat down. Well, or, right, right. or I'd do the pat down over by the door and then click people in. So, and then checking the guest list, that type of thing. Right. So I remember uh, the first, I, I, frequently I'd be inside and watching the first people come in into an empty hall. It was a crazy feeling. Um, I've, I posted on our, uh, our, our Facebook page the, the eerie silence before. The show. Um, then the music goes on and the, the thumping starts. And the, the kids that were first in line running to the front of the stage mm-hmm. so they could have the, the, you know, the great view of the band right there, center stage, up front against the rail. Yeah. I remember that beeline. I mean, there would be, what, so doors would open, the show would start about an hour after that or half an hour? Uh, usually a half an hour. Depending yeah. on the line. Doors 730? Depending on the line. Yeah, yeah maybe doors 730, first band goes on at 8. Um, 8.15? Uh, no, 8, I usually thought we would always start like right on the hour. Because then it was easier to do the set times that way. Because when we do mm-hmm. a, either a 10 or 15 minute set change, depending on how big the band, band right. was. I, I mean, I was I doing five minute set changes at the new at the SD now you're uh, just on the bragging. side stage. It's completely bragging. Five minutes, my Five, ass. five minute oh, set no. changes. <laughs> I remember once we had a seven minute set change. Yeah. And it was, um, that I don't even know how that happened, but you know, I should take it back 10 minutes. So I say 10 minutes, not five, five yeah. is way too short. I don't know. Sometimes changes. it was, it was easy. Bands would use the same equipment and they yeah, would they're just... using the same drum kit. Right. Yeah. Really? Cause everything stayed mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're, if they're back, if everything's the same back line, yeah. Just yeah. get off, check, check the mics and tune voila. in. And again, that's part of the flow because that's another thing that was so brilliant about the way that you guys did not, I don't get any credit for this, but everyone that worked in the production part with dealing with the outside of me dealing with the bands, getting them on stage and making sure everything's cool, the way that the set changes would go because everyone that would go up on stage, they knew what they were doing. Everyone knew where everything went and everyone took kind of the initiative if it, the show was kind of running weird, it was like, okay, well, quick set change. Let's get them up. Let's keep the people, you know, keep their attention. Well, I think because there was a, there is a that was a the thing with us too. Is we we kept everybody on time. We didn't we didn't go over. I don't remember a lot of shows going over unless 
an artist wasn't showing up. You know, that's Ooh. when things would get out of hand. But, but usually uh, that hardly ever happened. Yeah. Do you the recall? HR incident. HR <laughs> from Bad Brains. Yes. Would love to hear that story. At what point did you realize he was not showing up? When Bad Brains went on without him, <laughs> that was when he realized he wasn't showing up. Right. I, I kind of knew, or I don't remember if it was Jay from Spaz Boy, but someone was doing other leg work. But yeah, was, I, I knew it. I was talking to Dr. No, and he was like, you know, Jeremy, he's, he's just, he's not going to show. And then that's when I went into, okay, we, we're going to have a riot. It was me and Jay that went down to Union oh, okay. to see if he was over there. Oh, yeah, to see. You know, um, we waited out the firm for a little, little while and no show, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I, know what happened. There's the sh- a room. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever got the full story what happened with HR. It's something that HR is unfortunately known for doing, but that's, that's um, watch the documentary on HR. He's, I mean, the bad brains. I mean, come on. Anyone that likes punk rock, seminal, they just, they will, so gods, he, yeah, he, he. I love legends. Bad Brains. I mean, Bad Absolutely. Brains was so do I. awesome band, huge um, influence. On but uh, yeah, another show I was thinking of where the band went on late was Hole. Ooh, Courtney I think she went Love. on an hour late. Oh wow, yeah. yeah. The um, yeah that that was an interesting one. There's a lot of during that time. There's a lot of baggage, and there's you know, it just it proves how. Even the most well-oiled machine, um, as as the club at times really r- ran well. As soon as you get an artist who is in a different world, different mindset, um, it's you know, what do you do? It's the one that I first learned from was the Flipper Show. Okay, this was the first time that San Diego would have ever seen me go up on stage and make an ass of myself. And I refused because I was more of a vocalist than I was a bass player. And when Lamb was yelling at me, well, you got to get up there. And then I don't remember who it was from the band was telling me that I'd, I'll just go up there. And it's like, you know, the, the song's well enough. Just go and play. No one will ever know. That, that was a nightmare. So that was at Union Street. And um, eventually the road, one of the roadies went up um, to play. That'll be, we'll, we'll do a tragedies and crazy shit that happened at Soma podcast sometime. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, you guys weren't there for Eco Mouse. Uh, he, he showed up an hour late and then, and then played an hour longer than he was supposed to. So that was a bad show. Was this at Metro? At Metro. Yep. What was curfew? Uh, curfew, I think, was always midnight, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. A lot of the things where it came to the the community in Metro was sort of self-imposed agreements with all the businesses, hence the cleaning up of the lots, cleaning up that section of Linda Vista or Bay Park, whatever you want to call it, um, was a way to make sure while the other businesses were making their money, but also letting them know that they weren't alone. Because when you have that many kids showing up in your neighborhood and they're all, you know, hanging out and everyone had their secret spot to tip back a couple few. Oh, yeah. You know, we had to, we had to keep it. Yeah, I I remember that very vividly, (laughs) very vividly. 
No gloves, nothing, picking up uh, red Solo cups with a bunch of chew spit in it. As your rant. Oh, as yeah. your rant on the page. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we've talked about what happens before the doors open. We also got to talk about what happens when the doors close. Yeah. Once, once we get everybody out, you know, we get the bands out, we get the sound out, then we got to walk the freaking lots. Well, the funny thing is with that is, for me, it's just, it was, it was par for the course. So I just had to make sure that everyone's safe and everyone's kind of doing their thing. And then my main thing was to make sure the lot was clean and I locked the building and everyone was gone. But all you guys are there for this, you know, Jerry and I are working, but like you and the rest of the crew, everyone that was working for me, cleaning up the lots and stuff. I mean, you've seen the show and then you have to go and see the destruction in the neighborhood. Oh my gosh. So it's when you look at it in weights and measures, basically you earned your free show, made a couple bucks, got some credibility, but you proved yourself. Everyone did by being part of what was going on. And that's the thing. I don't know if it still goes on because, you know, I've been out of it for so long. But that needs to be totally and completely just, it's, it's huge to me. Everyone busted their butt to make well, sure it, the neighborhood was clean. It, it still went on because I kind of brought that over to oh, SD. So we had kids that worked, for, you know, high school kids that were yeah. working there just like you. Yeah. Um, that was out there cleaning. They get in the shows free and ha- hang out, meet the bands. Yeah. I mean, kids, kids love that. I mean, huge. we, that's how both of us started, you know? Of course, I was older. I was in the Navy and I'm like, yeah, I'll clean, get into the show free, meet the bands. What the hell? Yeah. Right. Love music. I love these yeah. bands. Why not? Just comb in the lots, make sure everything's clean. That was probably one of the most important things, though, is what you guys are doing with the community. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember. You getting a call on the bat phone from Len about one of the neighbors talking about there's a bunch of fucking trash out. Oh, and you know, I, 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 you'd immediately send me up there wherever it was. It didn't matter what time it was. The Coca-Cola lot? That, that was the lot where that was the, the lots above Soma Mm -hmm. was where the majority of the parking was. And those lots were Mission Federal Bank. Yeah. I mean, always just tons and tons of stuff. Um, but then after we walk the lots and we clean up the neighborhood, then we got to go inside the venue and we got to sweep from the front door to the back door in the main <laughs> stage. Now, I remember, I learned pretty quick that as soon as the, the, sh- the band stops and the people start, start walking out, that's when I'm actually on the floor, if, I, if I'm not loading out immediately. Right. I'm looking for baggies. I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, whatever people dropped. Um, but... This, what was crazy is, is the, the, like, you know, I was there in the 90s, and there's cigarette butts and clove butts inside of a venue. That's something that's just not legal now. I mean, we would be sweeping up cartons and cartons of cigarette butts. Yeah. Um, tons of bottle caps and, and all this just random stuff. Little um, liquor bottles. and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How'd that get past security? Well, you know. But that's, that's part of it. That's back then is I would roll, well, I would go through phases where I wasn't smoking cigarettes at all, but I mean, I was rolling drum cigarettes. Roger, you know, turned me on to like, you know, roll it with one hand, Roger doing sound. So, you know, I'm smoking my drums and that's, you know, cause you didn't eat once you got in there and I didn't want to drink sodas at union. I would drink coffee. We always have black coffee. But by then it was just sodas. 
So, you know, we got basically the, the if you think about it, the club is a giant ashtray. <laughs> and somehow or another, it still has that stench of live music, but it doesn't smell as bad as the bathrooms. Oh, man. Those things get bombed out. Which, by the next show, I mean, I got to where I would dump an entire five-gallon bucket of of whatever cleaning, simple bleach. green, bleach. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that bleach gets you higher than... Yeah, you don't want to be sitting there sniffing man. bleach. Make sick. You know, it, realistically, if you think of the club and the stage print that it has, I mean, the footprint that it has of how much space and how much need to be cleaned, you know, it's... It took quite a bit to get it that clean, but it was always done. Right. Right. We had to. So um, on that note, I want to do a quick PSA. If you're at a venue, do not flush beer cans down the toilet, please. (laughs) Okay. I never understood that fetish. (laughs) I never understood that fetish. What are you doing? How much toilet paper do you really need? Think about that next time you're doing whatever you're doing into that toilet. Somebody's got to clean it up, and we were those guys. And by the way, that was the downfall of uh, Metro. That pretty much kind of ended everything. The um, plumbing. Because the plumbing was all broke, and that, that's when we had to start doing shows elsewhere, and that kind of what faded out Metro. So uh, if you flush something down the toilet in the 90s at Soma, you close Soma. So <laughs> F you, buddy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This podcast was recorded at SGM Studio, the home of Sleeping Giant Music. It was also mixed and mastered by our friends at distinctmastering.com. Music provided by Break Anchor. Please like us, follow us, subscribe to us, find us. Thank you. <laughs>